Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and I am welcoming you to your hour of Thrive Time. And I'm excited that you're visiting us for the first time today. If you are visiting our show today as an invitation that was made to you by someone else, or maybe you you heard our program on the airwaves, or maybe you caught one of our social media platform invitations or advertisements, I want you to know that doesn't matter how you arrived here today, your hour of invested time is going to yield fantastic dividends because the thrive-minded content you're about to hear is going to give you the action-stoking, thought-provoking information you need so that you can thrive in your life. And for those of you that are visiting the show, yet again, I appreciate your support. The show continues to make massive gains in reaching the those that are interested in this type of content, not only locally here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but abroad and nationally as well. So thank you for continuing to support this show and making it the rock star show that it is and that it continues to become. And I believe the content that we're putting out is the reason why people continue to come back. And if you have not had a chance to hear our prior episodes, let me encourage you to go to our website, the jmamietalkshow.com. There you're going to find the archived episodes of our five, of our first year our successful first year. You're going to find all those episodes there, but I, it comes with a warning, and the warning is you probably will become addicted. <laughs> now, this is one of those good addictions, though, because if you listen to our show on an ongoing basis, and let me encourage you to, to binge here, you're going to find yourself thriving in many areas of your life that you did not think was possible. You're going to find yourself thriving there. And while you're at it, make sure you visit my personal site, thejmamie.com. There you're going to find my vlogs, my videos, my blogs, all of my additional content, my books, my courses. And I'm excited about actually speaking of courses. Not only did I just release my 10th book, Thrivology, which has now reached international best-selling status, I'm excited about that. Boy, we've got a long way to go to make that a bestseller here in the U.S., but I believe that grassroots and word of mouth is what really matters. When people like something, they share it, and that is happening a lot in my last and recent book here, Thrivology. But the course that I'm releasing coming up now, the end of this month, you'll hear more about it as the official date becomes announced, but it's looking like the end of the month here of September, is going to be the Thrive Sales Mastery course, taking you from novice to ninja. And I'm so excited and thrilled and, and, and just out of my mind stoked about this course and what it's going to do for people, that you'll pick up more information if you visit my site, thejmamie.com. All the content of that course will be there soon. And speaking about thriving, coming up here in Dallas, Fort Worth, September 24th from 930 to 1.30, the third stop of our Thrive Sales Mastery Workshop Tour is coming to Fort Worth. All of the content that we are covering will also be at our show, at our website. Specifically, you can go to survivetothriveguide.com forward slash events and you'll pick up the information on our fantastic free workshop for those of you that are looking to thrive in the areas that develop your skill sets this is the event to go to all the information is at the website but on today's show we're going to spend some time speaking with subject matter experts in an area where thriving is affected by companies and organizations and i mean in the area of talent acquisition 
I mean, in the areas of how do you find the best people to serve in your organization, to serve in your company? And how do you even know what best people look like? And how do you accommodate them? And, and if you're the person that's looking for uh, uh, an organization or a company to excel in, to showcase your talents, well, how do you prepare for that? And then once you've got all that together from an HR department, from an HR standpoint, how do you create the right environment, the right operations to retain the best people so that you can thrive and continue to grow and continue to scale, having the operations in place that allow you to, to do that. Today's show, we're going to tackle that. Today's show is about thriving in the workplace, in talent acquisition, in the areas that matter most. None of those areas, uh, if they're lacking, you can't thrive as an organization. So we've got three subject matter experts that are going to be with us today to talk about those areas for businesses, companies, and organizations to thrive in. And I'm excited about these three guests. We're going to hear from them after the break. Hey, everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I just want you to know that my book, my 10th book, is finally available, Thrivology action-stoking and thought-provoking quotes and phrases is now available for your purchasing pleasure. This book has already making tidal waves among those who appreciate content that is driven to give you a thrive-minded mentality and also reminders throughout the course of the week of the things you need to do to thrive. Guys, you can pick up my book, Thrivology, at thejmaney.com. You probably only think about insurance when you need it. But at Higginbotham, we have insurance specialists thinking about your risks and how to cover them year-round. We start with listening and end with a custom solution that fits your needs and budget. Whether it's for your home, car, health, business, or employees, Higginbotham has you covered. Higginbotham is a place that leads with values, so your value leads. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months I make 200 to 300 bucks. <laughs> Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code GALLON for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code GALLON for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GALLON. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I'm excited about our three guests today. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to have a conversation about how do you thrive in your business, corporate, organizational environment where acquiring the right talent matters, especially if you are in a niche field. How do you thrive by acquiring the right talent? Our first subject matter expert, Casey Haston, is not only a hiring expert, but she's an executive coach, and she's the host of the popular podcast, We Are VIP. And so I couldn't think of anyone better to help us understand how do you thrive in talent acquisition and all those moving components than someone who is often asked to speak on that subject, and that's Casey. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. 
And we're excited to have you. Before we dive into all the good stuff we're going to cover here, Casey, I want you to share with our audience a little bit first before we get started about your story and your journey to this point. I would love to share that story. And I will tell you, if you had told me when I was starting my career, I would end up where I am today, I probably would have laughed at you. So a lot of people find this very hard to believe, but I actually started my career in accounting. And I did that for a very, very long time, left the accounting world as a CFO and definitely made a career pivot like none other into the world of recruiting. Now, I am still recruiting for accounting and finance, but I am no longer having to tick and tie and do the drudgery of accounting. I just place accounted. So it's so much fun. But even more than that, I've had the opportunity to really spread my wings, you know, to venture into other areas like executive coaching and then also to host our company podcast, We Are VIP. So I, I get to put my fingers in all sorts of things now, and it's so much fun. Well, that's amazing. So considering you had a successful prior career as a CFO, I'm curious to know why the transition to executive recruiting? So I was actually looking for another accounting role. The company that I'd worked for for 11 years ended up closing, and I was looking for another accounting role, and I engaged with recruiters for the first time in my career because I was always – people always found me for jobs, right? And this recruiter – and I think that there's that one person in everybody's life that comes along that kind of mentors you and guides you and helps you to make a better decision, and this recruiter, rather than – Placing me in a role she knew I was going to hate, she really dug deep, and she looked at me, and she goes, Casey, you don't even like accounting. And I went, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You know, <laughs> This is my whole life. This is my career. And she's like, why don't you try recruiting? I think you'd be good at it. And that's the end of the story right there because – or actually the beginning of the story because I fell in love with recruiting because it really fulfills my passion. I get to help people every single day, mm-hmm. and I tell people I don't go to work. I love what I do so much. I never work a day in my life. You know, there's something to be said about enjoying what you do. And I I completely agree and resonate with what you just said. It's drudgery when you're going somewhere that you really don't want to go to, to do something you really don't want to do, to work with people you don't like anyhow, to get paid what you can't afford to live on. (laughs) And this is what people do daily. Isn't that true? Yes. That's what they do daily. You know, and having found my passion and knowing that there's an alternative. You know, I was okay doing accounting for as long as I did it. I thought that's what you're supposed to do, and that's what life looks like. But having found what life can look like on the other side, on, you know, once you find your passion, I am just absolutely determined to help everybody find their passion so they get to experience life just like I do. Well, you know, I love, I love the word passion because there's a lot to be said about those who are pursuing their passions because that's part of their purpose. And that that requires you first knowing what's your purpose. And we could talk about that for hours. But if you find out what your purpose is, then your passion will follow and you won't find you you'll you won't have a hard time then realizing what you're supposed to do, what your assignment is, because your purpose has led you there and now you can get passionate about it. And I think most people live and experience passionless lives because they're doing things that don't really that doesn't align itself with their calling or their their assignment. But let's talk about that a little bit. What do you find then? Uh, Because you deal with job seekers all the time, with candidates all the time. What do you find is the most important question, though, that someone who is seeking a new career, seeking their first job, looking to do something uh, that may be different from what they've been doing so far, 
what questions should they be asking of themselves before they start asking an interviewer or about a company? So this is my favorite question. And as I'm coaching my candidates and interviewing them and getting them to know them, this is the one question that I think is so important that I ask every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Besides money, besides location, okay, what's going to make you happy to get up and go to work tomorrow? There you go. That's it. And I love what you said about finding your purpose so that you can find your passion because an exercise that I have my clients work on is really sit down intentionally and make a list of everything that makes you happy. I mean, even go back to when you were like three years old. I had one of my mentors ask me this question. He's like, what did you love to do when you were three, Casey? And I was like, oh, that's easy. I would put boxes together and build a stage and stand on it and perform and entertain everybody. And now I'm doing exactly that, and I'm living into my passion because I, by entertaining people, I'm also serving them. Mm, I like that. By entertaining people, you're also serving them. That's, that's very, very good. But you're absolutely right about that. I like that question. What makes you happy? I think a lot of people go into job search or career search, um, even at the academic level, even as they're entering college or looking to pick degrees and or what they think they may like in the future, they never really ask the question, what will make me the happiest? What's going to get me juiced up to get up in the morning to do something that I'm probably going to do for the next 25, 35, 45 years? You better like, you better make sure that whatever you're planning on doing daily, you actually like and it makes you happy. And happiness doesn't all, isn't always dictated by the amount of money they pay you. Uh, so that, that's a great question. But how often do you find employers? Because here's the problem, right? Employers in their dire pursuit to hire someone – they oftentimes find that they try to squeeze a round ball into a square hole in the urgency to fill that position and vice versa. How often do you find that happening? Um, I will say in th- these times, as we're working through this pandemic and all this, I'm actually finding the reverse to be true. I'm finding employers to be much more cautious about their hires mm-hmm. for that very reason because it's so costly to have to replace someone that's even been there, just the hiring process alone is costly, right? Mm -hmm. There's lost time, there's downtime, but employers are definitely taking their time in hiring. And I've seen um, over the last year and a half, you know, employers have had to go to virtual hiring. And as they've gone to virtual hiring, they've had to put additional measures into place to make sure that these people were a culture fit. And so one of the measures that I've seen is additional interviews. Like we went from maybe two interviews to five interviews slows down the hiring process, but it also makes for a better decision. Um, and another uh, measure that I've seen implemented is assessment. Mm-hmm. I am a firm believer in assessments for hiring. So so I really don't see and, – and on the flip side, when you're looking at the job seekers, they are being very cautious as well okay. because they have a choice. They – clients or cor- companies are much more desperate to hire – than people are to find a job. Wow. Okay. So they are being super picky. And in our world, we're seeing, like, for one candidate, multiple offers. Wow. Okay. You know, it's interesting you say that because if you would have, if I, considering the times that we're in, let's let's go back three years ago, right? Go back in time three years Mm -hmm. ago. Probably the question would have been, uh, the answer would have been different. But because we are living in unpredictable times, and, and it's a 
it's a changing environment in the workspace now, right? Um, mm-hmm. As a result of, of the pandemic and COVID. And it's, that's still a fluid situation. So I can see why uh, employers are going to be a little bit more picky. And I can see why job seekers have a lot more choices. I can see that. But how, speaking about the environment changing on being rather unpredictable, um, and, and right now it's, it's a moving target to some extent, how must employers and, and executive job seekers adapt to that? So here's the interesting thing. We proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that we could work remotely over the last year. And there, there's kind of two sides to this coin. So let's just talk about the remote aspect first. We've, we've proven that we can be successful and even more productive at times working remotely. Mm-hmm. As we're shifting here lately and the world's kind of opening back up, especially here in Texas, um, we're seeing companies starting to demand that their people come back on site and their people are revolting. Mm. They don't want to come back on site for a minute. We could talk about the reasons all day long. Right. So let's just suffice to say they don't want to come back into the office full time. So the flip side of that, I have some other companies that are doing the extreme that are completely remote indefinitely. And then this causes problems for some of those employees, especially social people like me that need that social interaction that, that, you know, can't don't deal well with the isolation. So I think as we're moving forward, companies are going to have to be very cognizant of that and find a balance between the remote and in office setting. And I think that the employees are going to have to compromise and find that balance as well. I think one of the things you also have found that because of a lot of parents who have, uh, who have little ones at home, they've had to balance this uh, uh, homeschooling with also work. And some of them have actually, as a result of that, and I know so many parents, as a result of that, they've liked, they like the idea of homeschooling. So I think if an organization or a company doesn't provide that work from home opportunity or the flexibility, you're absolutely right. They could very well miss out on great talent just because they, they're lacking that, that flexibility that I think moving forward people are going to expect. Um, but you mentioned oftentimes about hiring bright. I know you speak about hiring right. And, and so why is it that many companies and organizations usually find it extremely difficult in hiring right the first time? Um, I think that a lot of times companies, you know, they may just look at hiring skill sets or they may just, um, you know, and not take the time to hire for the culture fit as well. Mm-hmm. And it can cause problems. I can think of one instance on a team that I had one time. My team was super high functioning, super, you know, productive and producing. And I made this one hire and my gut told me not to hire. It was not a culture fit. He could do the job all day long, but it was absolutely not a culture fit. That entire team disintegrated. It is no longer. Mm. And that was my fault for not hiring right, and that's why I'm so big on hiring right. I think that it's important when you're hiring that you, you know, interview on multiple days, like multiple different times, because people can show up differently on different days, right? Right, that's right. And I really think that I call it a culture lunch. I'm sure other people do too, but I think that's important to see how people act when you're breaking bread. You know, that is a, that, that's just a mic drop right there, culture fit. I've never heard of that. Uh, then again, I'm not an executive recruiter, but that just makes so much sense to me that the person on paper could look dynamic, but their personalities don't really jive with the, the environment 
and the culture of that environment that existed long before they may show up. And I think that could be toxic to an organization. Um, it absolutely can be. I want to talk a little bit more as we wrap up here, um, as we get ready to wrap up the segment, because I don't want to go too far without speaking about you as an executive coach. I know you often speak about energy levels. And can you share a little bit about the seven energy levels and how they impact individual and organizational performance and overall well-being? Absolutely. I mean, this is what my entire coaching career was focused on, was looking at the different energy levels. And think about the energy levels. There's seven different energy levels, and I'll go through them very quickly. But think of them as lenses. This is how you view the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so level one and level two are what we call catabolic. They're destructive. They're not sustainable. Level one is a lens of a victim. Mm. And if you're looking through the lens of a victim, your mind only knows. I mean, we could talk about the reticular activated system because that's what filters in everything that you see. So if you're telling it, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, it's going to go, oh, she's a victim. Let's, let's prove it. And you're only going to see that which proves that you're a victim. Okay. Same thing with level two, which is also a catabolic level of energy, and that's anger. Now, everything's happening to you, not for you, to you. And so you're mad, and you're just looking for things to confirm why you're mad, even though it may not even be that way. So we have a choice in every single moment to create reality by our perceptions of it. Level three is more of a Band-Aid level. So we're kind of shifting into what we call an anabolic level, which is more productive, more sustainable. And this is where you're like, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. And as we move up through the levels, we start moving away from ego, and we start perceiving things through a different lens, a more anabolic lens. For example, as you move into level four, we're talking about this is the level of service. This is where you want to give back to the world. And it just keeps increasing as you go through the levels. Uh, I call level seven the Buddha level. Most people don't live here because Mm -hmm. it's very transcendent, Mm -hmm. Um, but we do reach it at times. So I want to leave everybody with a resource. It's a powerful resource, Um, and, well, it's called Power Versus Force, and it's based on 20 years of research by Dr. David Hawkins on this very topic, and it goes – it's kind of dry at times, but if you're really wanting to do some inner work and really shift your perception and your lens of the world, great place to start. Casey, we appreciate your wisdom, your expertise. There's, there's no question about it that, that you are a top-level executive recruiter. And not only that, you're a, an executive coach that has so much value to offer. We're going to put your information up at our website. It's CaseyHaston.com. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Are your selling skills lacking? Could you sell more? If so, then on September 24th in Fort Worth, you need to attend the next tour stop of Jay Mamie's Thrive Sales Mastery Workshop to develop the higher selling skills you need to succeed. This is a free three-hour workshop with a networking lunch thereafter. So if getting better is important to you, then plan on attending. Visit survivetothriveguide.com slash events for more details. That's survivetothriveguide.com slash events. My recent guest, Lance Taylor and the Taylor team, is sponsoring the second annual charity golf tournament, and they're partnering up with Thanksgiving Heroes to feed families a Thanksgiving meal. This charity golf tournament is happening Tuesday, September 14th at the Canyon Creek Country Club. Make sure you register at bit.ly forward slash Taylor team dash golf. B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Taylor team 
golf. If you're like most people, you're probably more than a little concerned about the state of the world around us today. Strange times. The stock market all-time highs every day. U.S. debt never been higher right now. Dollars losing value. And let's not forget about inflation, the highest since 2008. Remember what happened in 2008. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, many people just like you are turning to Old Faithful to protect themselves during these difficult times. And Old Faithful is real gold and silver from the Oxford Gold Group, the kind you can actually hold in your hands and have in your IRA. No better time than the present to protect your future and the future of your family. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now, 833-928-GOLD. They will send you their free guide on investing in gold and silver and answer all of your questions. Protect your money before things get even worse out there. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-928-GOLD. Oxford is here to help you protect your savings and retirement. That's 833-928-GOLD. News and information. KLIF. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In the studio with me, my second guest here today is yet another subject matter expert in the field of talent acquisition. Glenn Richardson is the founder and CEO of Rhodium Talent Advisors, and he's here today to continue to help us understand how hiring the right people and acquiring the right talent uh, is so critical to a company's ability to thrive. So, Glenn, welcome to the show. Jay, uh, thanks for having me on the show. So um, I'm I'm excited to be here again. Thank you for having me. Um, and hiring is a big challenge. Um, so I want to address any of those hiring challenges or any questions that our listeners may have in any way possible. All right, brother. Well, that's why you're here. Before we dive into the goodness of what you've got to share with us, can you share with us just a little bit about your story? Absolutely. So uh, first, I want to take just a moment to acknowledge the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and say a big thank you to the servicemen and women and their mm-hmm. families who selflessly and bravely served and currently serve our nation at home and abroad. Now, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's that's okay. I, I want to just say that I agree with you because this show airs on the, uh, then the day after mm-hmm. we uh, remember 9-11, so I appreciate you, uh, you bringing that to pass as well. Uh, but go ahead, brother. I know you've, by the way, you've just had a surprise gift. Yes, 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 I have. So um, I'm the proud dad of three girls who I love to death. Um, and my youngest are the most beautiful twins you've ever seen in your life. Um, they're they're just a little bit over three, three weeks old as of today. And the problem is that they know how to keep me up at night because they don't yet understand that when the sun goes down, that's when they're supposed to go to sleep. They think it's the other way around. Right. <laughs> um, and so when I'm not on active baby duty, I, I serve as the founder and chief talent advisor of Rhodium Talent Advisors. Wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And congratulations on on the those, the, uh, the BOGO. The Thank you. One, get Thank one you. Free. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what inspired you to launch Rhodium Talent Advisors? You know, honestly, I just got tired of working hard for other people. Mm. Um, and I don't mind hard work. I work hard for myself and I work hard for my clients but I was tired of working hard and not being appreciated and being undervalued. I was tired of seeing other people always being mistreated, unappreciated and not valued as people as well. Mm. And so one of the things that I used to hear a lot when I was in management is we need to focus on the needs of the business, which basically meant you got to take care of the organization and make sure it can operate and make money. Right. Well, every time someone said that my response became, yes, we must focus on the needs of the business, but we must remember that the business needs people because without the right people in the right places, the business won't grow and succeed. So now 
I help and serve a variety of different businesses, and I impact lives through my company, Rhodium Talent Advisors. So you were inspired because of a need that you felt hadn't been addressed, but more importantly, you were inspired by change. Yes, and, and, and there, there's a lot of change that occurred, you know, around COVID, but also in myself. And again, having a passion for people, understanding mm. what drives people, what motivates people, what makes them really want to produce their best work. Having a passion for people is key. And I, I could see that in you. Um, that's why your business is so successful. But let's clarify something here. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between you as a talent advisor and a recruiter? So I think that is a great question that I really get asked a lot. And a lot of people are kind of compare me to a recruiter or they just assume I'm a recruiter because they've never heard of a talent advisor. So what I do at Rhodium Talent is uh, we are created because hiring managers and business owners need more support than just finding candidates. They need a strategic advisor. They mm-hmm. need a hiring expert to partner with. Now, a recruiter is generally more focused on the speed and quantity. And my firm is focused on gaining an in-depth understanding of how to best support you and develop a hiring processes that focuses on the quality of candidates. The recruiting industry, one of the big pieces is that the compensation is built in a way that encourages that quantity and speed over the quality of candidates. Mm. So Mm. they get paid once you select one of their candidates. So they give you as many candidates as possible in the hopes that you find a good one. But with Rhodium Talent Advisors, we're not hoping you find a good candidate. Our hiring process is designed to weed out the bad candidates and verify the good candidates. We also purposely structure our fees differently so you and anyone else can afford the great talent that your business deserves. Now, that's a very brief overview. And that's not to say that all recruiters are bad. Usually they're all pretty expensive, mm-hmm. but there's some very good recruiters out there. They do serve a purpose. And uh, I've worked with some great recruiters. But again, it's not always the right choice for every business. But until now, businesses didn't know that there was another choice out there. Now, you prove my point again as I'm listening to you, Glenn, why information and education is so critical in making wise decisions. Mm-hmm. And that that's the reason why this show is so highly rated and why people continue to come back is for content just like this. Fabulous response, brother. Uh, but let me ask you, what is something then that companies overlook when examining their, their talent acquisition strategy? So one of the things that I think is very simple is that we must look at the candidate experience. And so what I mean by that is when you build out a hiring process, when you post a job, when you're going to call people and screen them and interview them, you need to look at that process and say, is this process smooth? Is it efficient? Is it easy for the candidate to understand? And this, I believe this is a paramount importance because you're giving a insight into what it's like to work for your company. If you provide a bad candidate experience, they might think that you may not run your company so well, and you don't want to give that that vibe off to people. Also, you want to make sure that when you're talking to people, you're making them happy. You make them feel good. They feel valued. When you do that, generally you increase the chance that somebody accepts your job offer by three times. So what I have seen is that people who provide a bad candidate experience, they're losing top talent to people who are providing a a high quality experience, even if they're paying more. That's amazing. And I've seen that happen often, um, where the way you're treated determines whether or not you're going to get the best talent. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's not that one particular employer may, uh, may pay more money, have better benefits, but the way they treated that candidate from the beginning 
even if they pay a little less, maybe mm-hmm. they're not as sparkly and as glimmery as the other offer. Uh, but people tend to go there because that that initial experience was welcoming to them. Right. That's a big deal. That's right. A big and, deal. and one thing that is important to note is that let's say you have a great experience. You know what I can count on? You're going to go tell your friends about that great experience because if you're top talent, you probably know other top That's talent. Right. So That's you right. want to spread that around and you want people to know, hey, we're a great company to work for. We have a great employer brand. We care about you even as while you're just interviewing before you're on our payroll. Brilliant. Brilliant. What flaws then would you say that in uh, that that exist? Because every process has flaws, right? I mean, no, no process is perfect. But specifically in the recruiting and hiring process, what have you observed are flaws? So the number one problem I see is that businesses are filling positions with bodies, not purpose. Okay. Every business has a mission, vision, or purpose. They have a reason why they exist. Now, the first flaw in the recruiting process is that most businesses are not marketing and selling their purpose the why behind what they do. If you don't know what you do and why you do it, it's going to be very hard to attract and identify the right people who will fit your culture, but also, and more importantly, move your business forward. Now, the second flaw in the hiring process is that we simply aren't doing our due diligence when it comes to hiring. Now, the listeners in the finance, accounting, and private equity world, they know exactly what I'm talking about. But for those not in that world, I want you to think about this as dating your candidates. You don't have one or two dates and then all of a sudden you go get married. Well, At least not most of us do that. (laughs) Again, so, you know, but I asked the question, why do we do that with hiring? What we need to do is refocus and we need to start spending more time getting to know a candidate beyond their resume before letting them represent you and your business. This means having a strategic and consistent hiring process that involves one multiple stages, involves candidate assessments, more importantly, asking all of the candidates the same questions and not making them up as you go. But you also need to know how to ask the right questions and you need to be able to understand and eliminate your own natural unconscious biases that can lead to regrettable hiring decisions. And unfortunately, those hiring decisions are also going to negatively impact your bottom line. You know, you said that brilliantly. And I, and I think the, the the takeaway is the comparison you give about dating and getting married. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I know some folks who've dated two, three times and uh, they're not together anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's how it works with employees, you know. Right. We, we you interview you know three four times and you just keep getting divorced over and over. Right. I've never been through a divorce. I, I I know some people have. I hear it costs a lot. And look, removing somebody from a company can also cost a lot. And then having to refill That's that right. position, That's you're right. costing a lot. That's saving a lot of time. So again, take your time, get to know them. You know, I I once had a friend tell me that you know I want to take a girl out on three very different dates to to see them. Like, what are they scared of? What do they laugh about? Or what do they think is funny? So. I think we should do that with candidates. Really? You got to look at them through different windows to learn more about them. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's talk about something now that is affecting a lot of uh, businesses in a talent acquisition um, industry. Mm-hmm. The pandemic, right? Yeah. It, yeah. We're, we're in a post-pandemic world, and, and obviously we're not out of it. But what would you say now are the talent acquisition challenges that are being faced, but the ones that still lie ahead? So there, there are a lot of challenges that lie ahead, and we could probably do just a whole show mm-hmm. on just those challenges. Mm-hmm. But one of the first challenges that lies ahead will be in determining how to adequately redesign hiring processes to include virtual touch points to help businesses save time and money. Now in redesigning those processes, another challenge is going to be ensuring that the process has the ability to scale and to do that on demand to meet the immediate needs of the workforce in that particular business. Now, another major challenge and one that was, you know, 
kind of in its infancy pre-COVID, but post-COVID has really captured everyone's attention, is a challenge to commit or fulfill to a commitment of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And most people probably have heard of that or know it as DE&I. Mm -hmm. And this is important because today more candidates are going to make a job decision based on the assessment of that that company's visible DE&I commitment. That's interesting. And, and I, I can imagine that as this this changing environment continues, mm -hmm. that we're going to even see more changes in that industry as well. But speaking about that, how do changing conditions then really affect the company from the successful uh, acquiring of talent? So what I, what I kind of think about when I think about this question is the changing conditions around hiring and talent acquisition aren't necessarily the problem. What's really affecting business is the speed in which those conditions are changing. Okay. Business leaders must be proactive and innovative to acquire talent. So we have to understand that we're in an employee-centric job market. This has led to an I quit and what can you do for me movement. And unfortunately, many businesses can't answer that question beyond the basic I'm paying you. Mm -hmm. So people aren't applying. They're declining job offers. And some people are just leaving to go to other employers who can answer that question. And the last thing that I want businesses to really consider is the remote and hybrid work models. Right. Look, it, it's here to stay. Right. And if you aren't mm -hmm. considering and discussing the possibility of, of these options, you could be putting your business at the serious uh, competitive disadvantage. And the problem is if they don't uh, realize how how that has to be now part of the norm, Absolutely. the very best talent is going to walk out the door. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about something that I want clarification on. Okay. In the talent acquisition industry, there's a lot of talk about service vending, mm -hmm. right? I've heard a lot about service vending. What exactly is that and why should companies know about know about it and, and does it even benefit them? So service vending absolutely benefits companies. It can benefit any company. But to talk about what it is, when you look at HR, most people just say, oh, there's human resources department. But HR is broken down into different uh fractions into different blocks. So for a couple examples, uh, compensation and benefit, learning and development, employee and labor relations. And of course, talent acquisition is one of those. Now, there are a lot of business out there that don't have an HR department or a full service HR department that offers all of those. So you can find companies such as myself that have a service that they can provide to you. Um, and that way you don't have to commit financial resources or say, do I have enough work for someone to do this job. You have an expert who is there on demand that can help you achieve whatever that goal is. So again, whether it's comp and benefits or uh, talent acquisition or anything like that. That's incredible. I, I appreciate you uh, explaining that because that is a term now that's being often mm -hmm. used. And I know most employers, they don't even know what that means. Right. So how does Rhodium in our last minute here address some of the major talent acquisition concerns today? So I think the first way that and really the most important way is that we address those concerns is that we spend the time necessary getting to know each business individually. We don't do cookie cutter because mm -hmm. your business is not cookie cutter. So you need custom solutions for every challenge that you're going to face. And we walk through those challenges with you. Also, we utilize top technology to attract and engage top talent. We utilize the best assessments on the market and some of the most accurate on the market. And we're constantly learning to continue to stay on top of the best practices to make sure that we can give your business everything it needs to grow and succeed. Glenn, you've been a just a, a unbelievable inventory of information today. Thank you very much. We for certainly have packed 10 pounds of groceries in a two-pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Richardson from Rhodium Talent Advisors. Thanks for being on the show. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break.
How do you want your story to look and sound? Is there a book you want to write? A presentation you want to give? An online space to fill your thoughts and experiences? If you have the beginnings of an idea, I can help you develop it into a finished and publishable product. My name is Keith Mankin, and I'm a writer, editor, and creative consultant. Contact me today at keithmankin.com and let your voice and your words stand out from the crowd. 71% of new hires say that the training they received did not make their new role easy to understand, and that led them to feeling disconnected at work. Well, that's probably because, according to the Talent Equation, companies spend more money on coffee than training annually. I'm Andy Steery, owner of Impact Training. We specialize in helping your company create meaningful training content based on the nine impact pillars of training. Reach out at impactctc.com and let's find what your company needs to elevate your training program to the next level. I can't make any promises about your coffee, though. I'm looking forward to a play date with my granddaughter. Nana! <laughs> I can't wait to get together with my friends for a backyard barbecue. If you're 65 or older, you're starting to get back to doing things you love. Did you know even healthy adults 65 and older are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia? It's a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. Help protect yourself with the Prevnar 13 pneumococcal 13 valent conjugate vaccine, diphtheria CRM197 protein. Prevnar 13 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 13 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 13 does not protect against all strains of the disease. Ask your doctor or pharmacist today about Prevnar 13. Learn more at Prevnar13.com. Don't get Prevnar 13 if you have had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with a weakened immune system may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-866-694-9300 or visit Prevnar13.com. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In the studio today, I'm excited about our guest, Keisha Braggs. Keisha, not only the Human Resources Client Services Director at Excelling in Business and HR Solutions, but she's just a very nice person. (laughs) And I had a chance to meet her not too long ago. And as I was constructing this particular show about thriving in the workplace in terms of how do you position yourself and acquire the right operational people to help you thrive, I couldn't think of a person better than Keisha to represent that aspect of thriving. So, Keisha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. Keisha, before we dive into um, what you've got to share with us today and, and the goodness of what Excellion does, I'd like for you to share with us a little bit, a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I am a certified HR practitioner. All right. I've been doing HR work for the last 20 or so years. Um, I've been certified in HR since 2006. Okay. Um, MBA grad. All right. Okay. All right. Um, human capital is my concentration in operations management. Um, love what I do. Mm-hmm. Very passionate HR. Okay. Now, you've done HR for quite a while, right? Mm-hmm. Any other experience prior to that, or is that what you sort of dove into right after college? Well, I dove into it right after college. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my final papers was on human resource management because oh. I wanted to figure out a way, how were women getting into management roles? Mm-hmm. And I found out they were tapping in through human resources and climbing that ladder from there. All right. So you on that trajectory. Yes. That's you. All That's right. me. All the I way. I love it. All right. <laughs> Somebody who means what they say and, and they, they say what they mean. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to chat with you a little bit about what's going on here in the world of HR, mm-hmm. because I think that's an area that a lot of people are interested in. And certainly if it's a matter of thriving. So I guess my first question to you is there are so many HR firms out there that you can build your career with. 
right? I'd like to find out why you decided on Excellion to help businesses with their HR needs. Well, I um, owned my own staffing company until COVID hit. Okay. So I was one of the companies that was very much effective, a small business owner, um, not able to really withstand that impact. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to work for Amazon at oh. night doing HR, four o'clock in the morning, wow. helping all those employees out there. And I um, had put in an ad, I saw um, an HR firm that specialized in all aspects of the HR field. Mm -hmm. And I thought, whoa, I don't have to just do payroll. I don't have to just do benefits. I can do all of it. And so I made the phone call, sent in my resume. I got a call from the owner, Beverly. And she was like, hey, I saw your resume. I saw your information. And I think you'd be a great addition to our team. And here I am. You know, I, I like what you said. You had your own company, mm -hmm. right? So you're entrepreneur at heart. You've got mm -hmm. that go-getter spirit. Mm -hmm. COVID hit. And mm -hmm. as it affected a lot of businesses, yes. right, it affected you and certainly the HR, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, impacted massively with COVID, mm -hmm. uh, which we're going to talk about next, by the way. Uh, but you pivoted. You mm -hmm. said, OK, maybe I need to take a step back and, and take a, uh, a job. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And you did. And four mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Right. 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. And it, it was it's like a city at night. Mm -hmm. It's very active, very robust. The employees have the same type of HR concerns that a day worker would have on a regular nine to five shift. There's one thing that I always share with people. And I've been doing this for 35 years. I let people know it's OK sometimes to pivot. Mm -hmm. It's OK to take a step back to make a leap forward. That's right. Right. And that's, that's right. what you did. And, and as, that's exactly what I did. Well, there you go. And yeah. as a result of that, somebody found your talent. Yes. Right. Yes. And the one one of the one another special thing about working with Excellion is they're an actual bona fide certified MWBE. OK. Um, minority woman owned business. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it uh, coming on board with them. Wonderful. Well, I want to chat a little bit about covid uh, and the adapting HR environment as a result, because it's a moving target now, right? Sure. A lot of fluidity mm -hmm. in, in the environment now mm -hmm. because of COVID. But what are some of the some of the HR challenges that you continue to see due to COVID? That's my first question. Mm -hmm. And then how has the pandemic affected businesses and their HR needs? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, the first thing we noticed was the transition from the premises, like the workplace, mm -hmm. into the homes, um, transporting the software, all the systems, and then making sure all that was secure. Okay. Um, making sure the communication was still um, unaffected, even though folks were moving into the home to quarantine uh, for COVID. The, and so we had to help manage that because communication has to do a lot with HR as well, making sure they understand the policies are still in place, even though you're at home. Mm -hmm. um, you still need to put in your request for leave if you want to not be working while you're at home. So all those things are still in place. Um, the next thing we saw was the transition from home back to the premises slowly. So we had to make sure that there were attestations for the employees coming back to work. Basically, these are the instructions you have to wear a mask. You have to be six feet apart, um, helping to communicate that message and also include it as an addendum into the employee's handbook mm -hmm. um, because a lot of them didn't have anything about uh, COVID protocol. Okay. Um, a lot of companies are having to revisit their sick leave policy and add a COVID leave um, addendum to their policy as well. So those are some of the main impacts that I've seen quite frequently with um, as it has to do with COVID. 
you said something so key, and I, and I believe that that's at the end of the day, and at the beginning of the day too, right? In mm-hmm. fact, all day long. <laughs> a, an effective HR um, has a lot to do with how effective they become the conduit to communication. Exactly. Isn't that right? That's right. That's very key. Um, that's that's the whole premise of our relationship with the business is making sure we're communicating policies effectively Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times we help set that tone and the culture for the organization. So we have to be very careful about how we communicate policy. Um, We can't be rigid, but we can't be too lighthanded either. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to be effective. I love that. So as a thriving company, one of the things that you know, as I said earlier, there's a lot of moving parts that have to work together if that organization is going to thrive. One of them, I know for a fact, is a training and development program. Mm-hmm. I've, heard from, I've heard from so many that you know, the acquisition of great talent means nothing if your ability to retain them is poor because your training and development program is just is lacking. Mm-hmm. So where do you find that companies struggle in this area of employee development? The struggle or the pain point that I see most in my career with HR as it as it relates to training and development is the company's willingness willingness to spend that money for mm. the training. Um, they have to see the ROI, the return on investment on that training for them to really get the buy in. Um, a lot of us HRs have kind of gravitated into an analytical role okay. uh, so that we can kind of say, you know what, here's what we found. Here's what the turnover stats show because you don't have this training and here's how much cost savings you can have if you implement the training. So that requires a little HR analytics as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, we can reduce turnover if we get this training on board with everyone. And here's the amount of time that we can see that training being realized. Um, But that's the pain point is getting them to see how that affects their bottom line. And why would you say that this is so critical that business owners understand this because I know from business owners, I, I mean, I've spoken to business. I've doubled them my whole life. Sometimes they're penny pinchers, right? And they don't see the value in investing in training and development. Why is this so critical for them to know this? Well, it's critical because a lot of times as the business is growing, you know, you have that plateau and then quite naturally you have that dive. Mm-hmm. Training keeps you from diving too quickly. Yeah, all right. Um, and that's kind of what I've seen over time is when they've invested in their training programs, when they've saw um, when they've seen the returning and the savings, the cost savings, they last a little longer. They stay on that plateau a little bit longer than the average company that has no training at all and has not invested in training at all. You see them pretty much, they crash pretty quickly. That's, you know, I, I got to tell you something, that, that's a mic drop right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a mic drop right there because it is so true. What will we'll allow you to last longer, to continue mm-hmm. to maintain a, at least a level of plateau mm-hmm. is how well your training program is mm-hmm. because that determines how well and how trained, how well trained your people are. Oh yeah. That, oh, that's yeah. that's a mic drop. So mm-hmm. in your experience, where would you say are, are businesses and organizations, uh, I like what you said earlier, pain points, but where would you say that they're struggling the most with their current HR needs? I think where they struggle the most is being able to focus on the growth of your business. Um, most business owners are not HR experts. We are. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is help the organization or the business focus on what they do best. 
in their business realm, their business model, growing their business, relating to their customers, and let us handle the back office of the HR responsibilities. We can handle the payroll, the benefits, employee relations, interviewing, um, the whole gamut of HR we can handle while you focus on the growth of your business. And I think that's the pain point is giving them, getting them to realize, you know, I'm pretty good, but I'm not the HR expert. Mm. Let me reach out to Keisha Excelion um, and the other Excelions of the world and say, hey, I need some help with this HR component so I can focus on uh, growing my business. I like what you said. Most business owners, uh, they are not HR or, or they're the folks they have around them to help create ideas, innovate ideas, put ideas in the marketplace. They're not HR specialists. Mm-mm. And I think if you think that you can wear that many, many hats when there's a lot of money and opportunity at stake, I think it's a fool's game. Would you, mm-hmm. would you agree? I totally agree. I couldn't have said it better. All right. So where do you see that Excellion is is the strongest at? There's a lot of things you guys do. Yeah. But what's your what's your core strength? Our core strength is going to be our payroll operations. Mm-hmm. Um, we come in, assess the unique needs of each client. Um, we use the payroll systems that best speak to their needs. Mm-hmm. We don't do a, you know, um, one payroll system speaks for everyone. Okay. We look at their unique needs and we pick a payroll partner as far as software and things like that um, so that we can help them bet, best self-serve. So that's kind of what we do. So I went to your site. I went to your site and You've got tons of testimonials on there. I mean, I know that that the company is well spoken of, but people oftentimes relate to the experiences of others. Mm -hmm. And we've got a lot of business owners that listen to the show. What would you say or or, or could you provide a testimonial of maybe some recent work that Mm -hmm. Excellion has done that has tremendously changed a company's ability to thrive in that HR department? Um, one thing I can speak of is we've had one client that really, really struggled with their employee handbook. Um, and I have to mention it because it's most recent. Um, <laughs> bring it, bring yes, it. Yes. <laughs> and um, what we did was we kind of coached them on what's important to have in there. Mm-hmm. Um, a, what Some of the feedback that I received is we, we're putting too much information or companies are having too much in their handbooks, they're thick. um, And it's just a lot of extra information. What we did was we narrowed down that client's needs. Um, What do we really need to talk about in that employee handbook that speaks to that employee group Mm -hmm. that speaks to that company? And those are the things we're going to put in there. If we find out there's other policies that need to be added, we'll just add an addendum later. Um, And also we really wanted to move them from paper to online Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that the employee had access to that handbook. Anytime they opened up their computer um, instead of, Hey, HR, can you scan over? a book to me of Mm -hmm. the employee Mm -hmm. book. So um, we really tried to help automate that process and streamline it for that employee, that employer. And I think they, I I know for a fact, they really appreciated that. Okay. Well, that's a powerful testimony right there. And I'm sure that's an experience that many can relate to, but I want to wrap up our segment here or come to close to wrapping it up with misconceptions. Um, What are the misconceptions that, that HR um, that, that newer companies rather and businesses have that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Some of the newer things that I'm finding, um, that the businesses need to address most immediately is morale. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people are dealing with loss from COVID, either a loss of job Mm -hmm. or loss of family. 
um, friends and loved ones. Um, just being sensitive to that. Um, everybody's transitioning right now. Um, so we're finding that if you want to boost employee morale, if you want to let the employees know that you care, uh, make sure that you're working with your HR and communicating that you do care. Um, setting up different programs and different things that help the employee feel welcome back to the work site, Mm -hmm. um, feel like they're appreciated for the time that they did, you know, continue to work while Mm -hmm. they were at home. Um, And now they're coming into a new setting, a new era with things going on with COVID. Um, But just working on the morale, making sure that they're appreciated. Well, Keisha Braggs, we appreciate you being here in the the show with us today and and giving us uh, this wonderful information and enlightenment about HR and the needs for it. I encourage folks to go to your website. Your website is www.excellion.com. All right. Folks, we appreciate you listening into our show this week. I want to let you know that we're going to be back again next Sunday for another hour of Thrive Time. Have a thriving week, everyone.